Good afternoon. You're here with Chapo and Bethany, and we are on Faith FM. And you've just tuned into the Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. It's good to be back. It's great to be it's here with you today. Excellent afternoon today. And so, it's an excellent afternoon to be talking about love. Yeah, so today we are talking about, well, our, the big idea is how love works. Now, we're going to be covering a whole range of different things under that, I guess, heading. We're going to be looking at where our picture of love comes from. We're going to be looking at, I guess, a part of the Bible that I try not to associate with marriage because of, I guess, what what it's so much more about. And I'm probably being quite confusing here. And you'll understand what I'm talking about <laughs> when I get to that later. But does tell us how to love well. We're going to be talking about the importance of loving well, particularly in our current society, what it looks like to love well. And what's the surprise that we've got as well? The surprise? The surprise. We're going to be live opening for the first time. Oh, it's going to be an unboxing, isn't it, Chapo? A live unboxing. A live unboxing that you cannot see, but we will speak you through the visualization of our date night in a box has arrived in the post, and we are excited to share that with you. And I've been waiting since it got here to open it with you guys. It's right here on the desk. I've got my pocket knife ready to... Get into it. Like, I'm excited. Do you want to do that first? No, no. Let's save it for oh! let's save it. Let's, uh, let's save it for after the break. So, that's coming up. That's something for people to look forward to. Coming up. If you have no idea what we're talking about, um, a couple of weeks ago, we ordered the date in a box because we talked about date nights and the importance of date nights and what an impact they can make on, like, the longevity and the joy experience of your happiness and also the way that can impact every part of your marriage, including your sexuality. Um, but what was the other thing? The other thing was that we found somebody who had decided to commercialise on That's date right. night. That's right. Because we talked about the idea that sometimes you can't always afford to go out on a fancy date and do all the, the nice dress-up things or you might be time poor. And there's this website called dateinabox.com.au where they send you a package so that you can do a date night at home. Which is especially great with a few of the ISO situations that are going on. Not everybody might be safe to or able to go out somewhere for a date as well. So, if you're listening from Victoria right now, you might be very interested to hear what's in this box. But anyway, more of that later. We're going to get up to that soon. (laughs) I can't believe you're making us wait. I'm so keen. Okay, well... What are we on about today, hun? All right. Today we're talking about how love works. And do you want to just get into it then? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So, I want to talk about first, where does our picture of love come from? Where does your picture of love come from, chaps? Home and away, um, (laughs) romantic comedies, stuff like that. Yeah. So, I guess our picture of love is built by... Two things. One is the stories that we've been told over time, and the other is- um, I don't our, really watch Home and Away. Our family of origin. It's okay if you say. do. I, okay. I, I did. I won't, I won't Growing up, I did, but I don't anymore. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Confession time with chaps. So, it comes from the stories that we hear in the world around us in our society, and it comes from our family of origin as well. Now, here's an example for you, chaps. Yep. When we had our very first baby- and we'd done all of this work into how to deliver a baby, how to bring a baby into the world. We'd had a really rough couple of days of actually getting through that delivery process. Yeah, 31 we'd hours spent of labour. Weeks and weeks with an app on our phone and doing checks and eating the right things and thinking about the right things of how to grow this baby. And then suddenly it's born. And five days later, after staying in hospital, what happens? They said you can take it home. And then you're, then it's you then it's on you and there's no one there to tell you what to do or how to do it. They just let you walk right out those hospital doors without any instruction manual, certificate of qualification. Um, It's a live human being. It is not a pot plant. I have killed several pot plants before and they are just giving you this baby. Dozens, I would say. Dozens of pot plants you have killed. Many pot plants. And that's Um, another story. That's right. But no, I know what you're saying. It's terrifying because it's this delicate, breathing, living thing. And particularly when it's your first baby, it is terrifying. Brand new. Strapping it into the car, thinking like, am I going to break it? Driving home like a maniac, making sure that there is no one near me because my baby is in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And And then you're supposed to love it. That's right. And you have no idea what you're doing. That's right. And you're figuring it out as you go, sort of getting thrown in the deep end. I think that your wedding day is kind of like that too. 
you spend months and months of planning and preparing, thinking about what you're going to wear and who is sitting in what spot. You think about the way that you're going to get there, the transport. You think about um, what it's going to look like, what are the things that are important to invest your money in. If you're lucky, you get to sit down with a pastor or a counsellor and do a little bit of premarital counselling where you figure out where the bumps in the road are going to be down the track. But that's not even mandatory. That's right. Some of us just go into it having read a whole bunch of magazines and websites and planned our perfect wedding and that's just one day. Yeah. And then after that, you all your friends go away, all your family goes away and it's just the two of you and you're expected to figure out how to live this brand new life that you've been given together. Because, I, you know, we're talking about how love works and love kind of happens on its own. Like, it, it can, it happens by accident. You know, there's the idea that you fall into love as if you, you know, you fell down, you tripped and stumbled and all of a sudden you're in love. Yeah. And But whether you love well is a whole different story. It's a different situation. You can fall into love. Like, you don't always have control over who you might fall in love with or who you develop those feelings of love for, but you can love in a way that is really toxic and unproductive and, and horrible, or you can love well in a way that is long-lasting and has longevity and sustainability and things like that. That's right. And even when you think about situations of coercion and abuse and domestic violence, some of us don't have the signals in our mind that say to us, even though this person is telling me that they love me, the way they are behaving, that is not love. Yes. And so it's really important to think about where do we get our picture of love from. Now, for you chaps, in your family of origin, did you have much of a picture of love growing up? Well, no. Well, I um, I didn't know my dad and grew up in a single parent home with my mum, but had a revolving door of stepdads come and go. Um, and it was a lot of abuse and violence and drug and alcohol use and things like that. Like it was just a, I don't think I ever really got to see, particularly from um, like a husband, wife, or, you know, even boyfriend, girlfriend or anything like that, that was a, a wholesome picture of kind, merciful, compassionate, long lasting love. Yeah. So no, none of those series of stepdads loved your mother well. Not, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my dad didn't love my mother well. They didn't, they busted up when I was five years old. Um, and there was domestic violence in the home and it was a really, I'd never remember our household being a happy or a safe place to be in those early yeah. years of life. Yeah. Um, and then going on into my extended family beyond my mum and dad, um, there is just generation after generation of divorce and toxic marriages in right. my family. My grandparents lived together but did not love each other. No, and it was painfully yeah. obvious. And we've spoken about this before. So where I got my picture of love from was certainly I knew that in my family of origin that's not what I wanted to do. I right. knew that I wanted to do the opposite, but I didn't know what the opposite was supposed to look like. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which is why, like, so, so love happens almost accidentally often, you know, but to love well takes particularly if you don't have a good model, you don't have something that you're following that is worth aspiring to, that is a healthy picture of what love should look like, we've got to find a place to go to. And I believe later today we're going to get to a point where we can see where the Word of God gives us guidance about what love looks like when it's working well. How does love work? Yes. Can yeah. I disagree with you? Well, it wouldn't <laughs> be the first time, so go ahead. I don't think love happens accidentally. Oh, Okay. So, tell me what you think then. I think that that feeling of falling in love is to do with a whole lot of chemical reactions that happen in your brain. Sure. And I think that it's a lot to do with, well, partly that instinctive attractiveness to another person, but you can be attracted to a whole lot of people. But I think that proximity helps as well. And that, especially this is advice that I would say to young people, is that you can choose who you put yourself in proximity with and that you don't have to choose a person who's going to be a wrong person for your life to be in proximity with to allow yourself to fall in love with that person as well. Okay. So, what about the butterflies? What's the butterflies then? The butterflies. Yeah, Yeah, that's part of those chemicals that are happening in your brain. That's that, um, that, and it's, um, they call it the honeymoon effect. Like that, and that's why it wears off in a marriage after a while or a long term relationship after a while. You don't get those excited butterfly, sweaty hands, short breath feelings. I think I know where we're, where we're getting tripped up here between us because I like, yeah. So I think the idea is that you don't have to fall in love with the person that you get the bubbly feelings for. That's right. You can choose whether you pursue that path. Gotcha you got you and I, I wasn't saying that i was more meaning that like you can fall in love with someone and you don't have to really work 
to fall in love. It, oh, it, it, you don't okay. have to do any, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. the love feelings, you don't have to like force them to happen. They, they happen on their own. But what I want to make clear as well is just, you might have feelings of attraction for someone. You might have feelings of even what you believe is love for someone else. Meanwhile, your brain is telling you that is not a good choice. This is not the right person, the safe person. This is not, you know, and you don't have to pursue a relationship with that person just because you've got the butterflies. Is that, are we now on the same page? Yeah. So desire and attractiveness can happen and it can happen by accident, but it is your choice whether you pursue that desire and attraction as well. And I guess same as within a marriage as well. Like, let's be honest, we've been married for 10 years. There are other attractive people out in the world, but we don't have to pursue a person that we come into contact with that we find attractive because we have based our commitment in one another as a married couple yeah. as well. Are you so, saying that you've that you've noticed that there are other people more attractive than me in this world? I've noticed that there are <laughs> a plethora of attractive people. And let's be honest, we live in a world that is billboarded and television showed and sells right. sexuality and attractiveness all around us all the time. And so you would have to be blind to not notice that there are other people who look good on I this think, planet. I think you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Thanks, hon. You're a treasure. <laughs> well, hey, on that note. Um, but you can s- choose if you look twice. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to unbox. Are we? Yeah. Yay! The date night in a box. Okay. In the beginning, you hovered over the water. You broke it unbroken inside. Spoke light into darkness, and there was light in the beginning. We were made in your image, and we were naked without shame. 
Welcome back to The Marriage Project. You're listening to Faith FM. And if you've just joined us, we are excited to be opening a date night in a box that we received in the mail. Ta-da! We talked a few weeks about ago about date nights and the value of date nights. And then we saw this little gimmick that came up in, I don't know, probably our targeted advertising yeah. because we were talking about date nights. And so here we have bought it. And I'm excited to see what's inside. It's arrived in the post, so I'm going to open it now. Yes, All go, right, go, okay, go, Let's go. get into it. Oh, that's... Don't wreck it. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm cutting the packaging. Okay. They are very well... Um, very well packaged. There's a lot of plastic here. Chapo has multiple pocket knives. We'll get to later on the things that Chapo has multiple of in the show. Really? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it when we talk about um, First Corinthians 13. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh is that a bow tie? It is a bow tie. <laughs> okay. This is uh, interesting. So, what's the first thing in the box? We've got a... Lint chocolate. A bag of lint chocolate. Now, this is really disappointing because this used to be <laughs> my favourite confectionery of all time until I ate one too many one Christmas and then got really, really sick. And <laughs> now the thought of eating them, I start to feel sick. So, um, but yeah, if you like lint chocolate, oh, lucky for um, you. And I'm a Cadbury girl. I've never really been that into them. Okay. What so, we've got this? some elderberry and echinacea tea. Oh, Okay. All right. Some tea. Is there two teas or do you have to share the one cup? Is that by the romance? Okay. Now, we've got some golden beads. Some beads. A little, yes. so I think it's a, a necklace. Like a necklace. but yeah. I guess maybe that's for the lady to dress up fancy and okay. maybe the bow tie is for the man to dress up okay, fancy. Okay. So, it's a big, very big, clown-like um, sequin bow tie. And yet, not in a loud colour, in a like a fancy, sort of a silvery white that's so right. Keeping it fancy. Uh, we've got another tea. This one oh, is. Thank goodness, because it's I, a, too just, romantic just to share. It's called Nighttime. Cup. It says uh, a dreamy bed of oat flour, lavender, and lime flour. Go. Okay. Well, what's oat flour? I have no idea. Okay. Um, there's a. I think that's pencils. Is it? I don't know. It's a. Coloring in pencils? No, it's. Oh. Um, <gasps> pickup sticks. Pick, is it pickup sticks? Is it? Is it? I don't know. It's just cool bamboo tube with a whole Are bunch sh- of coloured. Sticks inside of it. Are they sharp on one end? That's yes. how you know if it's pickup sticks. It's, they're sharp at one end. Yeah, that's We're going right. to play pickup sticks, guys. We've got a box of crayons. We've got some beautiful fridge magnets. Oh. And then we've got... Um, <laughs> Instructions, hopefully. Oh, we've got some poems. <laughs> oh, do we read them to each other? I guess. Okay. And some instructions. And then some instructions. This is welcome to your date. Okay. Uh, date night in a box. Welcome to your date night. We have some activities inside to help you treasure your date night. The date has four sections. Your box contains everything you will need for your perfect date. We re- recommend you follow the steps to have a complete date night in a box experience. Let's begin a night to remember. Night to remember. Okay, so it's got a bit of a game to play. It's got some nice things that you share with one another. Um, there's a whole big page of instructions here that is going to be way too long to go through. And that's all the things. And that's all the things. Ooh, so ooh. it's like an interesting collection of bits and bobs that you then use to c- create memories and sort of try to um, make each other feel special. In Very fun. Memories. Well, shall we try it out this week and let them know how I it think, goes? I think we, I think we to, have to do it. We need to do it. We need to. So, we've unboxed it. The unboxing is just weird because it's a whole <laughs> bunch of random things, but I think we need to actually go through the instructions and do it, and then we can tell people what the experience was like. Okay, so... There's, on these poem cards, I just grabbed them from your pile of stuff. I think you're meant to write a poem about your partner. And I just want to read this poem in case there's a Blake listening, because this is a poem about Blake. So, Blake, this is for you. So, this was the example that they sent This is the example poem. It's a poem for Blake. Okay. Blake, if you're out there, this is for you. B is for brilliant. You're a shining star. L is for loving. A delight to know. A is for adventurous. Always on the go. K is for kindness, you always show. E is for energetic, made for action. Blake, you're a champ. <laughs> Can I just say, though, what? if this is a date night, please don't call me champ. Okay. Like, that's got to be one of the most unromantic it's n- terms. It's like, it's like it's calling me bro. Term. It's like saying, <laughs> you're awesome, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say that to the kids more than you. Yeah. That's cool. Like, some people might 
And that's the thing as well. Different relationships, different loving words. Sure. They might call no each judgment, other No judgment. No judgment. So, and basically the idea, so with the pick-up sticks, it says you play pick-up sticks, but there's a twist. Every time you pick up a red stick, you've got to choose an expression of love from your par- from your partner who will find the expression of love card in the box. Okay, so you play the game. Oh. And as you play the game, it, it sort of brings out. I don't know, nice things that you can do for one another to create a special evening where you learn about each other and say nice things to each other. Cool. So, it's some fun activities in a romantic way. That's right. Which is really great. That's definitely the kind of thing that you could do after you put the kids to bed or sort of at the end of the day after work. Yeah. Um, after dinner. That's gonna, a nice day night. Can you chuckle this on the ground? Yeah, do that. Yeah. Get that yeah. out Get of here. Out. Get out of here, man. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. That wasn't what I expected. Wasn't it? No, Did I had it- no idea what was going to be in the box. Was it like when you clicked on it? Was it like, did you get to select from different kinds of date no. nights or was it just like you- You got to select the one-off trial box or you got to select to sign up for the monthly delivery. Is this the trial box? It's a trial box. Okay. Well, we're going to trial it. We're going to let you know how it goes. That's all right. Cool. <laughs> all right. Can I talk about the next thing? Absolutely. Okay. So, the next thing that I want to talk about or picking up where we left off before the break is where do we get our picture of love from? Yes. We talked about family of origin and we talked about how love is just this thing that we don't get an instruction book for in life, but we're expected to know how to do it and in a re- in the most important places in our lives as well. Mm. And so, the other place that we get our picture of love from is from stories. Now, in olden days, it would have been from like your fairy tales and stuff like that. Today, we get it more from Hollywood, Disney, romance novels, and also from other people around us. If our family of origin wasn't great, we might look at our friends' parents from school or our colleagues at work or other different places that we might see love played out. Okay. Yeah. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's not a whole picture. Okay. Yeah. So, I want you to note, and this is sort of a fun experiment, next time you watch a Hollywood film or a Disney film, when, how often do they play a picture of what it looks like to be married people? Most of the time, the story ends, the exciting part is over at the wedding, and then they live happily ever after. Yes. And then they just tell you that you're supposed to live happily ever after, but if you've fallen in love which was sort of some sort of brilliant accident. And if you're supposed to live happily ever after, then shouldn't it be easy? And why is it hard? And why are we arguing over socks? And isn't this isn't exactly what I imagined it would be. Right. This didn't happen to Cinderella, did it? Well, we don't know. <laughs> that's the thing, we don't know. And I guess well, that's the other thing too, is I've never seen a Hollywood portrayal or any kind of story portrayal of both sides of marriage. Like the, 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 the walking the line of what marriage is, you know, that it's not always the happy living after thing, but it's also not always the miserable, horrible experience. You know, there's a lot of stories that tell the, that I guess repeat the story that marriage is a, something that you suffer through that is horrible and spouses never like each other and, um, you know, you have a boring life and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, and that's all, all it is. Or there's the stories that, that marriage is wonderful and you're always in love and it's always roses and rainbows and fairies and all these lovely things, there's never a picture that says that, well, there's shades of both and Mm. there's ways to Mm. navigate through the times that are harder and uglier. And there are also times where it is really good, even though it's not always that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's a one-sided story. And there's a lot of sitcoms that, I guess, get a laugh out of those traditional ideas and those jokes about how marital relationships function as well, which we spoke about a few episodes ago about how there's that idea of like marriage being like the ball and chain or that the wife's nagging and the husband's never doing the right thing or all of those sorts of things as well that tend to get a laugh and tend to get views, but might not actually help us when we're trying to figure out how do we love each other well? How do we do this thing that we've invested thousands of dollars in and all of our time in and all of our hopes and dreams in how do we do it well yeah 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 true well it's time for us to take another break yeah so um we'll be back very soon here on faith fm
Blessed are the pure, you'll see the face of God Blessed are you making peace on earth Blessed when you follow, even when it hurts It's beautiful Beautiful like a city Good afternoon, you are here with Bethany and Chapo on Faith FM and you are listening to The Marriage Project where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. We are talking today about how love works. We've spent a bit of time already talking about where we get our picture of love from, if it was from our home, if it's from uh, media, stories, Hollywood, all that kinds of things and then we're kind of shifting gears now. We want to talk about how love can work well. Now, we're going to spend a bit of time in Scripture here, aren't we? Yes, we are. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that if you look at it in your Bible, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, above different sections of Scripture, there are little um, bold-type cursive headings. That's it. And What are those sections of Scripture called? Oh, it's called a pericope. Yeah. And if you um, tune in to C4 Church, which is the church that Chapo and I pastor, you will have heard Chapo's teaching about pericopes. <laughs> so he's really excited that people are learning. That's right. So each little section of scripture is called a pericope. It's like a section that goes together in a, a group. Cluster a cluster. A, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Different to a paragraph, right? That's right. Yeah. And this pericope is called yeah. the way of love in my Bible. What's it called in your Bible? Mine is called the greatest gift. The greatest gift, yeah. oh, which is probably more apt. And some people call it the love chapter as well. That's right. Yeah, but I think actually that yours is probably the most appropriate in context in- heading for that part of the Bible. Exactly, because of what is happening in chapter 12 and chapter 14 yes. of 1 Corinthians. So, something I want to be abundantly abundantly clear about is that this passage of scripture, even though it's referred to as the love chapter and it's all about love, is not in its original context about marriage. And you might have heard it read out at a wedding or you might have even had it at your wedding, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is right in the middle of chapter 12, which is about spiritual gifts in the church, and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, which is about spiritual gifts in the church. And when you read the letter to 1 Corinthians, this is a church that is a hot mess that has problems with order and worship and how to treat each other well and how to function together in unity as a group of believers. That's right. And you've got to remember that the whole first century church was coming out of a, a very segregated society and forming itself to, you know, because the way that God formed the first church was he asked us to be like a family and to treat each other like family and that love would be the greatest thing that was recognizable in our community. So, you've got societies where slaves didn't talk to free people, Gentiles didn't talk to Jews. You've got all these different classes in, you know, that go up and down the ladder. Men and women don't speak to one another and all this sort of 
stuff that is all separate. And the, the first church was in the process of breaking down all of those walls and barriers so that they could be this brand new type of community where there was no separation, there was no classes, there was nothing that separated people from being too good or not good enough to talk to or be family with another person. So that's already the bigger context. And then here in this particular church that Paul's writing to, they are fighting and arguing about how they should worship and particularly what spiritual gift was the most important. So they all had different spiritual gifts that is something that we believe in as Christians, that you get abilities to do ministry and serve God when you become a converted Christian. And they were fighting and arguing about whose was the most important and and it was tearing the church apart. So in response to that, Paul says, you guys aren't loving each other well, and if but if you were, this is what it would look like and you need to aspire to this. So I guess for me... We need to acknowledge really importantly, because we're going to talk about how this relates to marriage, but we have to acknowledge first that in its context, it was not about marriage. And sometimes it's easy to look at this and say, oh, yep, how can I apply this to my husband or wife? But it's also important, how do I apply this to that person that goes to my church that I can't stand (laughs) or (laughs) or or that hurt me in the past or has done something to me that was really upset me or has a different philosophy on this or that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is that's where it needs to be applied to first, because that's what it was written into. However, as Christians, and we've spoken about this at length, as Christians and Christians who are married, everything that we are called to as a Christian human being also applies in our relationship of marriage and in our relationship with family and children as well. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a passage about how to love well. It's not a passage about how to be a married person. Exactly. But it's a passage about how to love well in whatever context you're in. And in this particular context, it's about the church. And so, first of all, we have to remember that it's about those prickly people, those disagreements, the fact that God has put us together and we're not all the same, and yet we're working life out together yeah. and we're sticking together even though we got a few cactuses in the bunch of flowers and we're trying to work it out. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you might be the cactus. I might be a cactus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If I am, I'm really sorry. <laughs> you know what they say? They say, um, oh, everyone's got that, that weird uncle who comes to Christmas, <laughs> um, you know, that awkward relatives that, you know, that whatever comes Christmas and if you can't think of who that person is in your family, then it's you. Oh! Anyway, but it, it could, could be the same in the church. If you can't think, gee, this is like. I laughed because I could think about it in my family, but then I was like, what if it is? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. I'm kind of off track here. Let's get oh back to the Word of God. Okay. So, would you like me to just start reading a little bit out of First Corinthians chapter 13 now Go. that you've given us a bit of the background there? Go for it. Okay. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burnt, but have not love, I gain nothing. Yeah. And it's clear here he's speaking in the context of spiritual gifts and things that was in the life of a believer. Yeah. And so, so you've it, got things like prophecy, you've got things like speaking in tongues, martyrdom. understanding knowledge, martyrdom, giving away things to the poor and generosity. Yeah. Um, a lot of different things that are typical of Christian behavior and Christian yeah. lifestyle. And essentially saying, even if I had every single one of these gifts, but I'm not able to love another Christian or not able to love other people, then it's all worthless. It means absolutely nothing. Worthless and noise without a purpose. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then the next part, would you like me to read that as well? Yeah, you read it as well. Okay. So then the next part, I'm going to go from chapter, oh, sorry, verse four until verse eight and then stop there. Does that sound all right to you? Sounds good. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. 
That's right. Actually, can I read the next two verses as well? Yeah. Just for the context. It says, for now we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, the bigger overarching um, context of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 here is the second coming of Jesus. Yes. It's basically saying when Jesus returns, all of these spiritual gifts they're not necessary any, anymore. We don't need them anymore. We don't need to prophesy because we'll be with Jesus. We won't need to preach because who are we preaching to? Like it's saying that when Jesus returns and we are with Jesus, all this other stuff basically gets deleted. Yes, but because what, our spiritual gifts are for building up the church, encouraging one another, and evangelizing and telling others about Jesus and showing a picture of God to the world. That's right. Right. But once that has taken place... Those things are not necessary. But what does remain is love. Yes. And that's why Paul puts love on such an incredible pedestal because he's saying it is one of the only things that will survive the the new earth, the second coming of Jesus. It's one of the only things that we take with us, which is why at the very end there, can I read the, just the last verse quickly? Yeah, verse 13. Verse 13. Yeah. It says, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The reason why love is the greatest, like the number one thing, is because after Jesus returns, we actually don't need hope anymore because the hope that we've held on to for so long is that Jesus will come and he's come. It's been fulfilled. We won't need faith anymore. Because our faith in Jesus it will be replaced by sight, you know, like. Because it's a reality. Because it's a reality. Because we are presently in proximity with Jesus, you know. So. But love endures. Love is greater than any of the gifts because the gifts are temporal, but love is eternal. That's exactly right. So that's, yeah, that's the context here. And it's to this church and it's saying, you guys have to love well because love is the only thing that will survive eternity. Everything else, all this stuff that you're fighting over, all this stuff that's ripping your community apart, it will all disappear. Mm. Now, something that I love about this is that love is a choice that we make. And all of these things that we do in relation to love, and this in particular context of our church, but in our relationships as well, as a believer, as a Christian person, we choose to put on that love and to behave in that way of love, regardless of what the other person is doing or has done to us as well. Exactly. And that's a tough place to be in, and I want to acknowledge that, but I also want to acknowledge that as a believer, just like Jesus Christ walked all the way to that cross in love, we also walk in that path of love where we despite what the other people are doing, continue our mission of love for others. Correct, yep. correct. So, I think we've made our point pretty clear that yep. this is not about marriage. This wasn't Paul's little letter about how to love your wife well and how to love your husband well. This was Paul's bigger context about how important love is in the Christian community. Um, but when we come back from the break, we are going to then look at these principles that do apply to a marriage relationship Oh, what, what's the word I'm trying to say? I don't even know. In but the, after the break, we're going to yeah. look about how this works when it comes to marriage relationships. I lost my, my words, fell out of my brain. That's okay. Let's All take right. a break. We'll come back. Looking for an easy way to share a program with a friend? Tell them about the free Faith FM app where they can easily listen to hundreds of programs and podcasts. Welcome back to The Marriage Project. You're listening to Faith FM with Bethany and Chapo. We've been talking today about 1 Corinthians. We've been talking about love, how that works in our lives, how we understand how we should love, where we get our picture of love from. And we're looking at a picture of love in the Bible that we've just talked about how it's not about a marriage. And there's a lot of parts of the Bible are not about marriage, Mm. but we can still take those values and those understandings and apply them to how we live as a Christian person in a marriage context. That's right. Yeah. It's really funny because I've, whenever I've preached this in the past, I've made an incredible, um, you know, like strong point that this is not about marriage. This is about <laughs> church community and always try to avoid talking about it marriage because it's almost like to, to talk about this in the context of marriage is easier because it's easier to love your spouse than it is to love the person you disagree with who's from a very different context but is your brother or sister in Christ, right? Yes. However, I've, I've kind of been ripping myself off in the same breath because if this is what a Christian is called to, this is what a Christian spouse is called to as well. And these yes. things, as present as they should be in the in your church community, they also must be present. Like, these things have to be present in your marriage. Well, I guess 
The similarity is this, right? In a Christian community, we enter into that community through baptism to show that we belong to that brand new family of God. And we enter into that community of love. Same as when we get married, we enter into a relationship of love, a commitment of love. And it's, I guess, that same commitment, that same love, regardless of whether it's a marriage or whether it's a Christian community. And it is easier to talk about in a marriage because our society sees marriage as more normal than the church. And the church is an abnormal thing in the way that we are called to love one another as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, is an abnormal thing. Jesus said, this is the way that people will know that you belong to me, is that you love one another. It is weird. But they will look at it and go, that love between that weird people over there, those church people, that tells me something about God. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. There was some McCrindle research. Um, McCrindle is the leading research institution in Australia that looks at society trends and, and population trends and things like that. Um, but they have a lot of spiritual content as well. And a few years ago, they did a study on the priorities of Australians. And right up the top, like the, one of the most highest priorities that Australian people at large value is family mm. and very, very low, like a score of something like 6% or something like that was church and spirituality. Mm. And But that's really interesting because... If the church was functioning, behaving, and appearing to be a family, then maybe we would have a much greater place in the priority of Australians if they saw churches functioning like families, which is what they were called to function like. Right. Jesus said to his disciples, who is my mother and brothers? It is these people that I've called my own. That's right. Um, So, definitely that picture of family and church are supposed to go hand in hand. And maybe we need to rise to that challenge as believers to do well in that context that's right. as well. Yeah. But let's get back to marriage because yes. that's what we're talking about that's, here today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, let's just break it down to the individual parts of this text. So, probably verses four to eight are the verses that we can rip out and say, hey, this is about loving well in general. How does that work in my marriage? Yes. So, let's look at those. So, the first part says in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Yeah. Yeah. Now, patience is something that we don't have from birth. Like, you think of a little baby. When they're hungry, they start screaming immediately because their need is immediate and they want to get fed immediately. Patience is not something that they have. And and I And you look at toddlers, they have just a straight-up tantrum because they didn't want to put on their shoes and it was the wrong ones and or they didn't want to wait in line or anything like this. Yeah, or I wanted the blue cup and I got the green cup. Which is so wrong. Now, you can get the blue cup next time, but no, I need the blue cup now. Because that idea of waiting, that idea of delayed gratification, that idea of patience is something that is not ingrained in us. It's something that is learned. But something that's really important to practice in our marriage relationships as well. Yeah. Um, There's vulnerability in asking your partner to meet your needs. And sometimes they can't do that. And that's not a reflection on you, but it's a reflection of what they're capable of doing in that moment as well. And so, we need to be patient with our partner and say, okay, you can't help me right now. You can't do what I need you to do right now. And I'm going to be patient and wait till later. And I'm not going to be angry or cross at you because you didn't meet my need or because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. And so, the next one is kindness. Love is patient and love is kind. And I see the two as very related. Going hand in hand? Hand in hand. Not that I think Paul was implying that would be the case, but, um, you know, impatience, particularly when you see it between a a husband and wife, is really ugly. Mm. But patience, like that, obviously being a bit frustrated but still being kind and you know, agreeable has a real element of graciousness to it. Like it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a kind way of responding to something that's clearly annoying you. Yes. And I guess too, yeah, that when you respond in kindness to somebody who's forced you to be patient, then that is showing your belief and your values as a Christian person. And I think too, like there's, you can be a, a spouse or you can be a Christian spouse and a Christian spouse is a kind spouse. Yeah. 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 Um, just as a quick digress, like, yes. why do you think it's so important for Christians to be loving well in our marriages? Like, do you, like, as we, just for context, as we're going through these verses, what's at stake? Oh, 
Well, so I really believe, and you see this in Ephesians chapter 5, that a marriage is a picture of God's love for the earth. That's right. And a marriage is also a picture of God's restored humanity when we do it well as well. So in the Garden of Eden, you have this picture of creation and you have a man and a woman who love each other well, who have a perfect, unconflicted, not difficult, open communication, full knowing of each other, human relationship, fully vulnerable, fully seeing one another. They're fully connected with each other and they're fully connected with God. But then they get kicked out of the garden, sin enters the world, and now there's something between the man and the woman. Yeah, they start blaming one another. yeah. Yeah. And then there's also something between the two humans and God. And then... The whole of the scripture is about this picture of we had this beautiful thing in creation and that's how God intended us to be. All the way through to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, which is the earth is now restored through Jesus Christ and the fact that he died on the cross for us to pay our debts for sin. He has created new creation and new humanity. And then when he comes back in full, we will see a new earth and a new heaven and heaven and earth will be a joint reality where God dwells with humans once again, where we connect fully knowing each other, fully loving each other, fully seeing each other and being at one with one another and God, we will do that again. But right now we don't. Yeah. But when we're in a marriage relationship and we do it well as a believer, then that's a little picture of what that's supposed to look like. So, yeah. So Does in, that make sense? So, doing marriage well as a believer can actually reveal to people around us the heart of God for all people. Yeah. Is that kind of, to sum it up? Yeah. Cool. yeah. I've got an idea. What is this. it? Well, I'm going to share it after the break because we need to take a break yeah. right now. But I've got an idea as well about why I think it's really important for us to love well. And I'm going to share that idea and then we're going to finish the rest of these verses here in First Corinthians. Okay. Cool. From faith to faith. Oh, I need your grace It's not my righteousness But it is yours Oh, what a state We find ourselves in And grateful We find you knocking at our door Jesus, come in And fill this doubting heart we were dead in our sin, evil within, living for ourselves. But God being rich in mercy and love, came down and rescued us. Distracted we stray, perfection we strive to do it on our own. Will help us to realize we couldn't live life, it's in Christ alone. So God take us, mold us, remind us. Salvation is through you Help us to understand this truth And live in gratitude Forgiving, loving, living like you This gift of God
faith to faith Oh, I need your grace Praise God, it's not my righteousness But it is yours Well, blessed assurance Jesus is my iron Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine Welcome back to The Marriage Project. You're listening to Faith FM. Now, before the break, I was talking about how a marriage relationship is a picture of restored creation when we do it well, how it's a picture of what God wants people to live like and how people uh, should be loving each other. And as Christians, we can do that in our believing relationships as well as the body of Jesus in the church, but we can do that in a particular way in a marriage. Yeah. There was something that you wanted to share, Chapo, with how it's important that we love well. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's really important that we love each other well and have, well, it's hard to say, but almost like a model of what a loving and effective and, and you know, a great marriage could look like to show the world. Now, when I say that, the last thing I want people to think is that you've got to just pretend and make it look good when really you're struggling and you're hurting. I think authenticity is really important and and. You know, we're very open about this, that it ain't always easy. Yeah. Life is sometimes a struggle. There's a whole world of things that affect your personal mental health, the status of your relationship, how you're feeling with one another and all of that. But at the same token, I don't think it's okay to just be like, well, our marriage isn't going great and that's just how it is. (laughs) You know, like that we should strive to have things... I guess, functioning as well as they can, particularly in the context of, as Christians, we do have a lot to say about marriage, you know? We believe that marriage is something that God created. We believe something in marriage that God, marriage is something God has ordained. He formed men and women to become one and be married. That's something that we teach. Yeah. Therefore, I think we should be doing our best as married couples to be giving a really great picture to the world of what a marriage can look like when God is a part of it. Yes. And so, I would say on that note, pray about your marriage. Exactly. Seek counsel about how to do your marriage better if you're struggling. Yeah. Or even if you just want to grow in that area of your life. And for those who are single or who are on the pathway to marriage, who aren't married yet as well, to think about and pray about and seek wisdom from couples who are already married and people who you think do it well. Yeah. to look into that as well. Exactly. If we believe that God is the author of marriage, the author of love, we are a Christian couple who love and worship him, yeah. then it should be, you know, we should be loving really well yeah. and, and being able to show a picture of what love looks like when it's working well. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, <laughs> back to, we're going to run out of time before uh-huh. we start stop going off on tangents. So, All back right. to the text. So, where so we are. We to? did love is patient and kind. And yep. you might have heard in previous times that Chapo in the journey of our relationship together has had a lot of lessons on how to respond with kindness to the person who is always late, which is me. And now we also have three daughters and it's sort of compounded as well. Yes. So, the next one. Hashtag always late. Hashtag always late. The next one is does not envy or boast. Okay. Doesn't envy or boast. Yeah. What do you reckon about that? Do you know jealousy is a real problem? In relationships. Yeah. 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 And like when and it because it, who's earning the most money and who, yeah, stuff like that. Um, to do with our sexuality and attractiveness and yeah. attraction as yeah. well. Um, to do with whether we feel like we can trust our partner, whether we feel like we have to check their emails and their inboxes and all of those things all the time. Um, envy and jealousy is a sign that we don't trust okay. our partner, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that building trust is really important. So it's really important to say, "Hey, do you know what? I tell you, I say this to people all the time, and this might sound really weird. Chapo probably could have about five different girlfriends because I have no idea. He goes off, he does his work stuff. He, I do not check his emails or his inbox or his text messages, but I know Chapo." So, I know that he doesn't have a girlfriend. So, I don't need to check those things. So, when you know your partner, you can trust your partner and you can trust that you don't need to be jealous and you don't need to be worried about those things. So, when you build that trust, when you build that relationship, when you know one another well, you can know the integrity and the type of person you're married to. Yeah. So, therefore, you don't have to have that jealousy. Yeah. And the the opposite ends the scale and being- you know, having envy or being boastful is like they're the two ends of this, you know, being like, I am great, I have this, or gee, I wish I had what they had and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I guess that boastful thing as well is 
be considerate of your partner's needs and wants and feelings as sure. well. Yeah. You're not the only person in the relationship. They're not there to meet your needs. They're there to be your partner, yeah, which is right. both. Um, and the other thing that I want to say about jealousy as well is that if you are having trouble with trust, seek outside counsel with that because that can be an erosion long-term in your marriage as well. Um, so really important to address that jealousy and that lack of trust if you've got that there underlying in your relationship. Verse 5, it is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Do you have anything to say about those? Well, yeah, because I can get very irritable. Can I, you? Yeah. What? Like, well, my go, you know, my go-to emotion is cranky. Like it's not, you, you know, it's just what manner. Whether I'm sad, whether I'm um, depressed, whether I'm anxious, like whatever it is, it manifests like the, what you would think is chapo's cranky. Where it could be a whole range of things, but I get very irritable. Yeah. Um, and look, it's something that God says is not part of what love is. Yeah. Something I've got to work on. Something I've got to acknowledge. Hey, this is just because it's my natural go to doesn't mean it's something that I have to just say, well, that's who I am. Tough luck. That's who you married. <laughs> no. You can pray about it. You can check yourself about it. You can say, hey, this is my initial response, but I can feel myself going to it and I'm going to choose something else. And the other thing as well is that you can confess to your partner, hey, I was feeling this way. Hey, I did this thing. Can you forgive me about that and can you help me move forward as well? Yeah. Which I think is really important in a, in a faith-based relationship. Yeah. I like um, it says it does not insist on its own way. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, that whole dominant side, like who's who's wearing the pants? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I don't like that because I, you know, think it's one pair of pants and we're in one leg each, yes. <laughs> which is like a, a dual sack race more. Yes. Um, I have a story about resentment, but do we have time for me to share that? Today, or should I save it for another time? Is it about resenting me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to share it. Oh, well, it's a good one. Okay, go. Okay. So, um, one of the things that it says here is it is not irritable or resentful, or another version of that resentful says it keeps no record of wrongs. That, yeah. Now, if you are keeping tabs of the wrong things that your partner has done or is doing in your relationship, what's that going to do to your relationship? It's going to lead to resentment, which is, as we've talked about in the past, one of the greatest poisons to which leads a relationship. to bitterness, which leads to contempt, which is one of those four horsemen that Gottman talks about. If you want to listen to that, we talked about that in the previous episode as well. Um, or you can Google the four horsemen and Gottman and see what comes up. But contempt is just the thing that erodes over time. Bitterness erodes over time. It Resentment chips away over time and becomes the reason why you despise your partner or you don't like to be around them. So this is my story, right? I have, I have a husband who has a lot of stuff. I made a joke earlier about the pocket knife. Chapo goes, can you get my pocket knife down? No, not that one. No, not that one. No, yeah, that one. So Chapo's got many pocket knives. I'm looking around the room and there are many guitars on the wall right now. There are also guitars under the bed. <laughs> and out in the music room. And we also have an office space. Now, I was working out in the office space to tidy it up because I'm better at tidying up than chaps, right? Would you agree? Oh, um, absolutely. This is one of my life skills. And so I was like, okay, he's struggling with this. I'm going to give him a hand and I'm going to go out there and do it. But as I was doing it, I just discovered more and more of your things. And with each of your things that I discovered, and I looked at these objects and I thought, I don't know what it's for. I don't know why you keep it. And I don't know where it belongs. I began to find myself more frustrated, more bitter and more resentful to the point where I was almost in tears and really angry sorting out this room of our house. And I actually just had this moment where I had to take a deep breath and say, or am I going to keep cleaning this room or am I going to keep loving my husband? And I decided to walk out of that room and to wow. not do that job anymore. Then it goes even further than that. No, I don't like this story. Well, I think you maybe should because okay. it goes even further than that. I was listening to a podcast later on that day. Like I thought that I'd done my good deed right by making that choice. Yeah. I was listening to this podcast and it was about a couple and they were actually talking about bitterness and resentment. And they were talking about how when you've got that bitterness and resentment as a Christian person in your relationship, you need to confess it to get rid of it. And so I was like, okay, and I started praying and I prayed to God about this resentment and this bitterness that I'd been harboring towards my husband and that God would forgive me of it and that God would give me peace and love in place of it. And then I was like, cool, cool. And then I got to listen to the other half of that podcast because when you have kids in the car, you only get to listen to bits of podcasts at a time. Yeah. And 
it talked about how the husband and wife had actually gone beyond confessing it to God and confessing it to one another and had apologized. And so I actually felt convicted, but it took me a couple of days to come to you and say, babe, when I was doing that, this is how I felt and I was resenting you and I don't want that to be a part of our relationship. So this is me confessing it to you. I've asked God to take it away, but I'm also letting you know that that's how I felt and I don't want to feel that way in our marriage. Do you remember that? I do now. Yeah. yeah I, I had forgotten, <laughs> but I remember now. Um, and so resentment and bitterness, if you don't want that in your life, pray about it, confess it, ask God to take it away and replace it with peace and love and also confess it to your partner as well. Um, in an adult setting where you maintain that calm and that peace and that you pray about it together and, it. and confess in one in love with one another as well. Because I think that's important in a grace-based marriage. I agree. We've got two more verses we're going to get through very quickly. Okay. So, where are we up to? Verse, verse six. six. Do you want to do that? Yeah, it says, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Yes. Um, in another translation, it says, does not revel when the other grovels. Yes. It's that idea of not being happy just because the other person is suffering. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, sucked in. She deserved it anyway. That's what we she gets for, yeah. for, you know, not letting me go out, watch football with the guys. Or watch football. I don't know. It was pretty We shouldn't be but- celebrating when our partner trips. Correct. We shouldn't be celebrating when... Um, we've been keeping tabs on them and then something finally bad happens to them. Yeah, that is really <laughs> so ugly. We shouldn't be. And, it, and another version of that says it doesn't um, like rejoice in wrongdoing. And it goes back to that keeping a record of wrongs as well. Like we're not keeping tabs on each other. We are a team. We are facing life together. That's right. When you win, I win. When you lose, I lose. Not, hey, Suck on it because you lost this time in your face, blah, blah, blah. Like, we are being nice. Something our kids always say is, you always do this. I never get to have a go on that. And it's never true. But it's that idea that they're keeping these tallies of what is fair. Oh, have you ever heard- In marriage, there's no tallies. Have you ever heard one of the kids go, no, 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 (laughs) no, when something happens to the other one as well? Like, those are signs of being childish and not of being mature as well. And so, we need to be- as an adult in our relationships and present that way to one another. All right, here's with verse 7. It's going to be the last verse. Okay. Oh, are you doing it? No, you do it. Okay. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't ever stuff up but it means that we keep getting back up yeah. when we stuff up. And it's that and idea that we as keeps, well, um, the verse we read a couple of weeks ago, where is love can cover a multitude of sins. It's that mm-hmm. idea of like love is there through thick and thin. Love yeah. weathers the storm. Love stands no matter what is falling Love is the hand of the one reaching out to the other who's fallen down and helping them get back up again. And that's what it looks like in Christian marriage, that we help one another up, that we lift one another up out of the dirt, and that we lean the other partner up against us and we walk forward together arm over shoulder sometimes. Yeah, We're going to have to wrap it up here. Yes. It's been another good afternoon. With you. um, And with you. On the Marriage Project here on Faith FM. Remember, you can tune in any Friday afternoon at 3.30 and hear what we have to say. May you love well as you go from this place.